In the name of Jesus, amen. Today we focus on the final three commandments. And before talking about these three, we need to recap the first seven, which are, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. And you shall not steal. So once again, the first three commandments are about your relationship with God. And the last seven are about your relationship with your neighbor. And God has given these commandments to protect the treasures that God has given to you. And to protect the treasures that he has given to other people as well. So over and above your own body, your own spouse, and all of your temporal goods, there is another treasure, another gift that God has given to each and every one of you. And that is the gift of your name, the gift of your reputation. In fact, the scriptures say that your name and reputation is worth more than all of your finances and possessions. Proverbs 22 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. And this good name is precisely what God is protecting in the Eighth Commandment. The commandment upon which we meditate today that says, You shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. God is teaching you to consider your neighbor's name and reputation as the most precious thing to him. And the truth is, more often than not, we think so little of gossip and white lies. I found that some people are almost incapable of having a normal conversation without throwing someone under the bus or gossiping about someone else. They cannot sleep until somebody else is seen as beneath them. We pass off little jabs and hurtful comments as if they're just a normal part of life and that's what we do. In fact, the vast majority of reality shows and TV shows nowadays make a living and they're filthy rich because their main content and substance of their channels is gossip and slander. There's entire newspapers and journals and blogs about this. During any election... You get weeks and weeks of propaganda and commercial slandering other politicians. It's a dirty and filthy thing. The world cares so little about people's reputation and their name. And yet this plagues the church as well, because sin clings to our flesh. And you know this well, that Zion has been plagued with gossip and slander from the outside so much in these past four years. God has preserved us through it all. And not one of his elect were lost or will be lost. Yet as we live in this fallen world, we're going to be plagued by lies and gossip. Boards and committees are prone to falling into gossip and slander. 
Members ascribe malice and malicious intent to others. They explain their neighbor's actions in the worst ways. They hurt one another's reputations. If all of your secret conversations, all of your gossiping words, all of your slanderous sentences were revealed right in this moment, it would blow the roof right off of this building. It's such a common occurrence that people bear false witness against their neighbor. This is what Dr. Luther says in his large catechism. He says that slanderers and gossipers are no better than filthy pigs that love to roll themselves around in dung and filth. This is nothing other than meddling with God's judgment. As you heard in the Old Testament lesson today, as Naboth was uh, put to death with false testimony. Now, before I preach more on the Eighth Commandment, we need to see where this all comes from. It comes from breaking the Ninth and Tenth Commandment, that is, a covetous heart. The Ninth Commandment says you shall not covet your neighbor's house. And what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. And the Tenth Commandment is similar to it in that it condemns coveting. But there's a difference here. The Tenth Commandment says you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant, or maidservant, his ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and to do their duty. So what's the difference between these two commandments? Well, the ninth commandment forbids coveting your neighbor's inanimate objects, his things. And the tenth commandment forbids coveting your neighbor's animate objects, that is, the living things, the things he lives with. So what does it mean to covet? It means to want something that is not yours. Want something that God hasn't given you. However, it's to want it to the degree and to the point of becoming discontent with what you have. So to covet someone's house means to not only want that house, but to become dissatisfied and discontent with the house that God has already blessed you with. To covet someone's wife is different from lusting after her. To covet someone's wife is to want her status, her attitude, her behavior, her personality to the point that you despise the wife that God has given to you. So how do these final three commandments fit in together? Well, the reason people gossip and slander against other people is because they're competing with them. They see them as the enemy, as one to compete against. And why are they doing this? Because they've coveted them, their life and their friends and their things. And in coveting them, they've become discontent and ungrateful for what God has given to them. So those who are discontent, those who are unhappy, those who are ungrateful, attempt to take away the most valuable thing another person has, which is their own name and reputation. Make no mistake about it. Those who gossip and slander are unhappy and ungrateful who are discontent with their own life. This is why it's a pathetic attempt to improve your own life by trying to 
destroyed the life and reputation of others. Those who are completely dissatisfied with their own life try to entice others away. So the gossiper and the liar tries to get others to view their victim in in negative light, to think terrible of them, to ascribe evil or wickedness and malice to them. God bans these attitudes and these behaviors and these words from his church. He condemns them and doesn't allow them into heaven. Gossip and ingratitude go hand in hand. And for those who lie and assume malicious intent and ascribe evil motives and explain things in the worst way, God will require their life. And if you think this is an overreaction, if you think it's going too far, it's because you don't know the word of God or the power therein. Listen to what the Bible says about liars and gossipers and the covetous. Revelation 22 says outside of heaven are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Psalm 101 says, Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy, says the Lord. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Proverbs 16 says, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Again, Proverbs 11 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets and drives them away. This and more and more and more is what the Bible says about those who gossip and those who covet and those who grumble against their God. God's word is clear. These words mean exactly what they say. And those who take them lightly take God lightly. Breaking the eighth commandment is no trite matter or little sin. Breaking the ninth and tenth commandment in your heart is not something to be not afraid of or something to not worry about. So repent. Repent for speaking ill of others. Even if the ill you spoke of them was the truth, it's still breaking the eighth commandment. Repent for spreading rumors, speaking poorly of others, for passing on harmful information, even when it's true. Repent for the lies that you've spoken. Repent for looking for the bad first in others instead of seeing any good. Repent for being nosy and getting into things that you're not meant to be a part of. Repent for explaining things in a way that will destroy your neighbor's reputation. Repent for being dissatisfied with the life that God has given to you, for coveting. Repent for being envious that people are happier than you or have more than you do. Repent for wanting what God has given to others more than what he's given you. Repent for your ungratefulness. 
Don't defend your sin. Don't explain it away. Don't bring up other people's sins as a defense for your own. Repent. And when you repent, remember Christ. Remember your dear Lord who suffered and bled for your sake. Remember that Christ was put to death by those who lied about him, who gossiped about him, who slandered him falsely. Your dear Lord, who was innocent, was crucified and buried in order to take away all of the sins of your lying tongue. He died to scrub the taste of gossip out of your mouth and to rip out all of the ingratitude in your heart. He died to take all of that away. He washed away all of the sins of your mouth and your heart away with the blood in his veins. Rejoice in what Christ has given you today. Salvation and life everlasting. A clean heart. Rejoice that Christ, who, was never, who never told a lie, was never dissatisfied with his life, has chosen to make you a child of God. For those who believe in him and confess his name, he has given the right to become children of God. So this Lent, leave your gossiping ways drowned in the bottom of the font. Leave your ungratefulness at the foot of that cross. Learn to speak well of one another and seek and see the best in others, explaining things in the kindest way, putting the best construction on everything. When someone comes to you and says, can you believe this person did this? Or can you believe that person did that? Rebuke them right then and there. Tell them to man up and go confront the person face to face. Don't be afraid. You have God's word on your side. God is with you. Tell them to never deprive anyone else of his honor and good name unless it's first taken away from that person publicly on their own. This is what Luther says, quote, uh, a quote from the large catechism again. He says, contradict a person promptly to his face so that he may blush. Then many a person will hold his tongue who otherwise would bring some poor man into bad repute from which he would not easily free himself. For honor and a good name are easily taken away, but not easily restored. So don't gossip. And when you see people gossip about others, rebuke them, reprove them, correct them, make them ashamed to talk about others in front of you. And if all of you saints do this together, that gossiper will have no one else to talk to in the church. He'll have to run away and find company in this world. And if you have already gossiped and slandered others, go tell them what you've done. Be a Christian and make things right. Repent to them and ask for their forgiveness. Go and clear their name of the filthy slander you've spread and show everyone what it means to be a child of God and show them that you will do what is difficult in order to love your neighbor all the more. And as you leave your former ways in the font, floating lifelessly there, leave also your ingratitude in the grave of Christ as well. Don't grumble. Don't complain. God has given you so much already. Don't become discontent 
with what God has given you. Don't entice people away from anything. Keep your heart from being unappreciative. Stop looking at what others have and look at what God has blessed you with. Look at your home. It has kept you safe from so many storms. God has given you enough daily bread today to live another day. He's given you enough clothing to stay warm. You don't have to amass these things for yourself. He's given you everything you need for this body and life. As long as you fix your eyes on Christ and what he's done for you, you cannot help but be grateful. So as we close these midweek Lenten services tonight, remember everything that God has required of you and remember how much you failed to do it. But don't despair. Remember more how much Christ has done to save you, how much he's done to take away the consequence of sin, how much he's done to save you from the fire of God's wrath. Christ not only wipes away all of your sins and his suffering and the cross, he doesn't leave you simply as a blank slate to make a good name for yourself. He fills you with every good work he accomplished in your place. And this is what this holy week is about, where he imputes the righteousness of his heart and his soul and his body to you. As he attributes the love of his heart to yours, the praise of his mouth to yours, the devotion of his ears to yours, the honor to his parents to you, the protection of all life to you, the chastity of his body he imputes to you, the helpfulness of his hands he imputes to you, the truth of his lips he attributes to you, and the gratitude and thankfulness of his soul he gives all to you. And he does this freely out of love for you. So all of these things are yours in Christ. And he sanctifies all of your good works, all of your works that are incomplete. He fulfills them. And he makes them holy through his blood. So let go of those sins through repentance because they're going to be thrown back into hell where they belong and all who cling to it will as well. So instead, cling to Christ and his word. And you will be where he is, the arms of your dear Father in heaven. Amen. Peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.